the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God's name means God is here. And when God is here in your life, you are blessed with His mercy. Not your attempts at mercy, His mercy. And that's what you need today, His personal name for you. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the fifth in the Cosmic Controversy series and the conclusion to the message entitled The Paradise Contagion. Now you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com along with the rest of the Cosmic Controversy series and many other messages available on the website. Again, reachingyourheart.com. We'd love for you to stop by. Let's get underway with the second portion of The Paradise Contagion. Here's Pastor Mike. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. Now, my translation softens it a little bit. The Hebrew is literally brit olam, as everlasting covenant. The Sabbath is both the sign of the everlasting covenant and it is itself everlasting covenant. Verse 17, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses when he made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai the two tables of the testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Now when God writes something down with his own finger, when God speaks it with his own mouth, when God says, this is the sign that I am the creator God, This is the sign of my name, of the everlasting covenant. This is my way of keeping you close to me in a worship, friendship, relationship. Dear heart, we must take that seriously in our lives. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom, in verse 14, shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. Then the end will come. But then in verse 20, just before the tribulation, in verse 21, he says, Pray that your flight will not be in the winter on the Sabbath day. Christ knew, looking all the way down to the end of time, that we would need the Sabbath sign of the eternal covenant to hold tight to God's name in our life, that God's promise and God's truth would be closely tied to a worship friendship with God. So let's review the three truths that are essential for understanding the war over God's name. Truth number one, God's name is God's covenant because His name, the Lord, L-O-R-D, is the everlasting covenant. The great I am here has always been and will always be for you. Truth number two, God's name means God is here. And when God is here in your life, you are blessed with his mercy, not your attempts at mercy, his mercy. And that's what you need today, his personal name for you. 
Truth number three, the sign of the everlasting covenant is the seventh day Sabbath instituted at creation. God's name, God's law, and God's Sabbath are a divine unity. You cannot rip them apart without doing violence to God's truth. Isaiah 56, 6 and 7, the great gospel prophet shows how they're all tied together. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, those outside of Israel, those who need the truth the most, those who have never heard it, who come to minister to him in verse 6, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. And then it defines those who love his covenant name. It says, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it holds fast my covenant. It's very clear here. When you keep the Sabbath right, when you have a worship friendship with God, that you will hold his name close to your heart. Verse 7, what does he do? These I will bring to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. I mean, this notion that God's name, that God's covenant, and that God's Sabbath sign is only for the precious Jewish people that we all love is not biblical. It's for all people. God has called the human race into fellowship with Him. Isaiah says, if you love the name of the Lord, you will keep the Sabbath. And when you keep the Sabbath, you'll be keeping God's everlasting covenant. In the Genesis account, there are seven days of creation. Creation moves toward a promised day and a covenant day when God's name will be revealed in a day of worship, of friendship, and life. That's what Eden, paradise, is about. In Genesis 1.1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, you don't see the name Lord with all capital letters in the very first verse of the Bible. You see the name God, capital G, small o, small d, which is Elohim here in the very first sentence of the Bible. You don't see the name Yahweh or Lord. You just see the name Elohim, spelled God. It means the powerful God of creation. And so when we find our first sentence in the Bible, it's not describing a personal God. It's describing a powerful, distant God. Breshit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But it's not good enough to know that God is the powerful God of creation. The knowledge of Elohim is not enough here. It is not the goal of creation. It's the starting point of creation. You see, you have to know that God is there to, to work through the issues, to come to a relationship with God. So you have to start there. But it's not the end goal. On the seventh day, God is revealed as the Lord God, the I am here God, the covenant God, the Yahweh God, the merciful God with the name that matters in your life. He is the God of creation. The seventh day is a sign that you can know him and you can have him and he can know you. When the devil attacked God's name, he attacked God's law and God's character at the dawn of time. The Sabbath is a sign and a seal within God's holy law that shouts out in clear terms that God can be your friend, that God has made a personal compact with himself to become your friend. And in Genesis 2-4, God is called the Lord God, with all capital letters, Lord. Yahweh, the covenant, merciful God. The word God, as I said, was in Genesis 1-1, is taken from the Hebrew Elohim. It means the powerful, distant God. But in Genesis 2.4, before this name, we have now the word Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps. It means the personal covenant God. Now, the order matters here. I mean, this is not accidental that we find the word Lord before the word God. In the Hebrew, the very first thought is the most important thought in a sequence that matters in your life. 
In the garden, God is the personal Lord before He is the powerful God of creation. He is a covenant, merciful being before He is the one with all the power. And you are to know Him that way first, not later. The seventh day is a sign of the truth that God created everything and that He wants to be your friend. He's not someone to be afraid of. He's someone who wants to be your friend. He wants you to know Him and He wants to know you personally. Jesus got it right. This is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. In Genesis 2 and 3, this name Lord God appears 12 times before there's a break introduced by Satan. And the break is intentionally introduced by the serpent because he wants to fiddle with the truth of God's everlasting covenant. He's out to strip us of the knowledge of God our Creator. The Lord God appears 12 times before there is a break. The number 12 is the number of God's people. We have 12 patriarchs before the flood. We have 12 nations of Israel. We have 12 disciples. We have 12 foundations to the new Jerusalem. 12 is the number for God's people. And why are there 12 usages of Lord God? Because God wants His people to know Him as first the personal God, but also as the powerful God. But personal is more important than power. The Lord God occurs 12 times before the serpent messes it all up. Genesis 2.4, Lord God. Genesis 2.5, Lord God. Genesis 2.6, Lord God. Genesis 2.7, Lord God. Genesis 2.8, Lord God. Verse 9, Lord God. Verse 15, Lord God. Verse 16, Lord God. Verse 18, Lord God. Verse 19, Lord God. Verse 21, Lord God. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, Lord God, 12th time, occurs right there. Then there's a break introduced by the devil. Adam and Eve only knew God this way. They didn't know him as just an impersonal being. They knew him as the God of the garden, Lord God, the personal powerful God. And so the devil shows up the brilliant devil with all the ideas that can make your life meaningful, right? He shows up and the paradise contagion, the primordial disease, that virus from his mind that infected the human race, it comes right there in the Garden of Eden. And here we find the Eden disease that started the sin problem that you struggle with daily. It was introduced to us in a paradise we have never seen, a home we, des- we need to have but we've never known. The first lie is the lie that corrupts the name of God and the truth about God behind His eternal covenant. It is the attack upon nothing less than the everlasting covenant. Genesis 3.1 Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? Now notice this verse very carefully. You, You will notice that the serpent deletes the name Lord. It's not there. That is the only way that Adam and Eve have known God as Lord God. But he doesn't use the name Lord. He leaves it out. The personal covenant name of God revealed in the seventh day Sabbath. He ignores it. It's as if the seventh day doesn't matter to him and the name of the Lord doesn't matter either. He deliberately insinuates that God is only God, not the Lord God. God is only the powerful God, not the Lord God who cares, the personal God of the garden who really wants a relationship. God is someone Eve to be afraid of. He's not someone to be your friend. God is someone who is powerful, yes, but he insinuates that God is basically distant and that he has the power, all right, but he doesn't care about you at all. Eve, a relationship with God doesn't matter. Now, how many times have we heard that? Don't waste your life going to church. Don't bother keeping the Sabbath. 
Don't set aside time in the morning to pray and see God's face. And don't bother to fall down your knees in the evening. You've heard that deceptive cry in your ear, so have I. In fact, the devil claims that God is in the way of powerful, self-actualized living, positive thinking, Eve. Just develop the good that's in you and become God yourself. He's the one with his silly rules who's trying to prevent you from being powerful like he is powerful. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, Notice what she does there. She says, But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. She has never known God by any other name than Lord God. The subtle influence of the serpent's attitude has changed her attitude about God deep inside her heart and head. Her words now reveal that her God is no longer Lord God to her. And just like the serpent, she deletes the personal covenant name of God, which is the Lord that should come first in every person's life. At this point, she is more concerned with God's power than God's personal character. She is drawn to the intoxicating idea that she can share God's power, become godlike, but leave a personal knowledge of God and His kindness and mercy behind. Sin is the Promethean lie, the paradise contagion, that the knowledge of good and evil somehow can make you godlike. It only makes you lose life. Verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. She took the fruit and she gave it to her husband and they ate it. We've all experienced the knowledge of good and evil ever since, haven't we? The devil said, you will not die. She died. When a person seeks the knowledge of good and evil in the pursuit of personal power and pleasure, they leave the greater pursuit of God far behind. Dear heart, God is a being who is powerful enough Sure, he, he has all power, but He is more merciful and personal than He is powerful in the Bible. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. Deeper in, he is a being who is a God of relationship. A God who, even though his thoughts are higher than yours will ever be, they can come down to the lowland of your life and he can interface with you. The knowledge of God the Creator that we all need is the knowledge that God is here, that He is the I Am God, and that God cares and that God can save you right here in your life. It is the knowledge of His mercy, the knowledge of His law, the knowledge of His name. Eve left this kind of knowledge for the kind that kills you with pride and self-deceit. The paradise contagion is the infection of belief in God without faith in God. 
It is the disease of being religious without deep within desiring God's life in your life, His law in your heart and life. The name Lord God is the truth about God that we all need and that He is more personal than powerful, even though He is both. And in the end, His name, Lord, is the everlasting covenant peace that brings God to you. Dear heart, do you realize that the Bible says that God's name is in Jesus? That that name of the everlasting covenant is in the Son of God. And when God gave us Jesus, He gave us the guarantee of the everlasting covenant. That's why His blood could ratify this everlasting covenant. At the end of time, the mark of the beast will be an attack upon the everlasting covenant of God's name. The devil will convince men and women that the world can fix their problems and they have no need of a worship friendship with God on the seventh day. Now, I was very clear what I said there. He will convince Christians around the world that the seventh day is somehow counter to Christianity and counter to this everlasting covenant. The mark of the beast is a substitute of the sign of God's everlasting covenant. The name of the beast in Revelation 13 will take the place of God's name in people's lives. 666 instead of the truth of the seven and the covenant of the oath. The mark will go on the forehead instead of God's name where Deuteronomy 6 is very clear that God's holy law, which is one, should go as frontlets between the eyes and in the hand. The mark of the beast will go where God's law needs to go. And the law of God will be surrendered to the law of men, the law of the beast, and the whole world kingdom system will assault your relationship with God and faith will be on trial at the end of time. And people will die as they bear witness to the truth of the everlasting covenant. The attack upon the name of God is the attack upon the everlasting covenant. And those who stand with Jesus, I'll repeat myself, those who stand with Jesus will know Him as Lord God, not just God. And the Father's name and the name of the Lamb will be written on their foreheads. Revelation 14.1, Then I looked and lo, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. Now this statement occurs in the immediate context of the mark of the beast in Revelation 13. As soon as we see people who have the mark of the beast on their foreheads, we now see those who follow the Lamb. They have something else on their foreheads. Verse 1, Then I looked, and lo, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to follow the Lamb of God. I don't want to follow philosophers, preachers, teachers, or politicians. I want to follow the Word of God, and I want to follow the Lamb who is the Word of God. And so here they are standing with the Lamb, and with them 144,000, symbolic of the redeemed of the earth, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Speaking of the worshipers of the beast, verse 11, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they don't have any rest. And the Greek word is Sabbath rest, anapausis, used in the Greek Old Testament, used by Jesus in Matthew 11. And the great invitation, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he talks about the Sabbath in chapter 12 of Matthew. They have no anapausis Sabbath kind of rest day or night. Those worshipers of the beast in its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. You see, God's everlasting covenant, His promise of grace is for everyone. It's for the people of the earth. It's for the servants of God who do not yet understand that you cannot divorce the seventh day from the name of God. It's for good Christians everywhere who have yet to learn by their own experience that God has a rendezvous in time that is timeless, and that His name can be written on their foreheads more deeply and securely through Jesus Christ in a worship, friendship, fellowship on the covenant day 
which is the seventh-day Sabbath. Verse 12 kind of pulls it all together. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The Reformation gave us the great truth of righteousness by faith. It was lost in the early centuries through apostasy. And the Bible is very clear that God's precious people who reaffirm the teaching that we are saved by faith in Christ alone, that, that God's people around the world will one day integrate the vital truth of the everlasting covenant with the Reformation teaching of righteousness by faith. And there will be a people on earth who keep the commandments of God, but they're not legalists, who keep the commandments of God and they have the faith of Jesus too. Saved by faith, sealed with the sign of the eternal covenant and a faith friendship with God for all eternity. This week, the stock market crashed. How many of you were following that? Black Thursday hit over 500 points, the great plunge. America has a debt it cannot pay, and no one knows how to fix it all. The debt deal didn't work, did it? The moral decline, the fear of the future is moving politicians to speak as preachers in the pulpit. There's a sense that to be a politician today, you've got to bring God in the mix. You have to have a religious coalition to solve the problems of the nation. The moral decline, the fear of the future is transforming the American political scene. Governor Rick Perry is hosting on this very day today a special day of fasting and prayer for the nation, which is called the response. That's what he calls it. People are gathering from all over the country to seek God and to repent to save this nation. In the words of Governor Perry, they are praying to seek, quote, God's forgiveness, His wisdom, and His provision for our state and nation. There is a sense that only God can fix the mess we're in. The moral mess that has led to economic catastrophe. There's no way to just pull the numbers and manipulate the scales. It's got something deeper inside wrong with it. And there's a sense there is a moral vacancy in our culture that must be filled. Governor Perry has based this special day of prayer on the book of Joel, which talks about prophets leading people to call upon the name of the Lord. He has written, I quote, We have been besieged by financial debt, terrorism, and a multitude of natural disasters. As a nation, he writes, we must together and call upon Jesus to guide us through unprecedented struggles and thank him for the blessings of freedom which we so richly enjoy. It sounds good, and I'm not here trying to judge his intentions or anyone else's. But there's only one problem here. Nations really don't repent. People do. And people don't really repent to just make it easier for their economy or the IRAs or so that they can be safer. That's not real repentance. National prosperity is not a real sign that God loves you and that God loves anyone. There are times in life when it doesn't go good and you can't judge God's interaction with us just based on the stock market. National prosperity is not a real sign that God has favored us. And whose religion will everyone agree on in the end to fix it all? I mean, what brand of Christianity will fix the problem? The book of Revelation predicts in chapter 13 that there will come a day when this lamb-like Christian nation that we are of, that is identified in the apocalypse appearing out of the earth at the end of the Middle Ages, that it will build an image to the persecuting beast of the Middle Ages. And political leaders in this country will join hands with religious leaders in this country to deny God's name and God's law in order to save this country. They will be the new Elijahs that bring fire down from heaven that brings the country back to God. The Bible predicts it in Revelation 13. Together they will institute the mark of the beast. I love this country and I know it needs God. And I have respect for people who want people to find God. 
But dear heart, there's a better land that will not pass away at the end of time. There is a heavenly kingdom that will not fail. There is a homeland that deserves your greatest loyalty. There is a heavenly kingdom that is coming for us. And that's the one you need to set your sights on every day of your life. Jesus is real. His name means power and faith at the end of time so you can stand through the end of time. His covenant of peace is real peace. And you don't have to base your future on your IRA or the stock market. You can stand on Mount Zion with the Lamb. And the great I am here God, who is here in Jesus, the God with us God, is coming in the clouds of heaven to take his people home. The Lord God will save his people from the end. The Lord God will save his people from the end. The personal, powerful God will manifest his name when the world receives the name of the beast on their forehead. And in the end, the Lord God will be the new beginning. We will come back to Eden. The beginning will be true all over again for everyone who has his name written on their forehead. The Lord God. The Lord God forever and ever. Well, thanks for listening today. That will conclude the Paradise Contagion, a part of the Cosmic Controversy series here on Reaching Your Heart. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, reachingyourheart.com. There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart.